0: Hi, everyone. This is your host, Natalina. Thank you so much for joining us today. Very excited to be speaking with Rick Miller, newly found author of the book, Be Chief. It's a choice, not a title. Today, we're going to be talking about how to drive sustainable growth that turns companies around and how to really impact employees so that they feel the power of being chief. Unlocking their true potential as well as their organizations. So, Rick and I talk a little bit about both sides of the coin how a company can empower their employees, but most importantly, how you yourself can empower yourself, build confidence and clarity so that you can be the leader, so that you can be the chief, and that honestly, it goes beyond the title. And that's what we talk about. You don't need a title, you don't need to be a CEO or an executive to make an impact, to make a difference, and to really excel professionally. With in yourself and with your company rise up for you and enjoy this episode rick thank you so much for joining the rise up for you podcast it's such an honor to have you on our show today
1: great to be with you nela
0: i always like to start off the episode by letting our audience get to know our guest so i'd love to hear in your own words about yourself and all the great things that you're currently doing
1: well, there's, uh, given it's an intro, I'll give you a little bit. I'm a native Bostonian, so you will hear me park my car every once in a while. I do tend to lose my R's, so I will tell your audience yes, you're hearing a Boston accent. Uh, born and bred in Boston, moved out in the mid 80s, have been in New Jersey, amazingly in northern New Jersey for almost 30 years, uh, with a short little visit in Washington, D.C., uh, for about three or four years in the middle. Uh, happily married for 36 years, have two wonderful kids, uh, both public servants, one's a school teacher. And one is uh, in politics as a press secretary for congressman. Uh, like many of your guests, I'm sure I've got an eclectic group of, uh, of interests. On one side, I'm, a, I'm an avid meditator. On the other side, I stay, in, I stay in shape by working with a former MMA fighter. So <laughs> okay. I kind of view myself as a, a whole brain individual uh, working both left and right brain and delighted to be with you today.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. So I I read a little bit of your book, Be Chief. It's choice, not a title. And I'm curious to to learn first about the journey of um, how you got to where you are today and, um, you know, what inspired you to write the book and really dive into this idea of what it means to be a leader, what it means to, um, you know, make an impact that goes beyond the title. But I'd love to hear a little bit about the journey of how you got to where you are today and what inspired you to step into this industry.
1: Well, that's a great question. Uh, the uh, it really did start growing up uh, at the kitchen table. Uh, my dad was in personnel. You know, before there were human resource professionals, they called them personnel people, and dad was in personnel, and he was in personnel in the only non-union manufacturer in Central Massachusetts. And the reason that that was significant for me, that was that I grew up at the kitchen table listening to stories about how you know it was important for people to connect. How did you do good performance management, good communication, recognition, compensation, grievances? Because dad's goal, and I'm not anti-union, nor was dad, but his job was to create such a great relationship between the workers and management that they didn't need a a union. And so I grew up in that environment. I can tell you that if people and personnel made more money, I probably would have been one. Uh, But I wanted to make a little bit more money, truth be told. But it's funny because the lessons that dad taught me, uh, and by the way, uh, dad's claim to fame. And here's a, a proud uh, oldest son telling you the story. In 27 years at his company, there was never even a union vote, which tells you that he was incredibly successful, the only non-union manufacturer in the area. So what dad taught me, or frankly, I learned in, in uh, business school, both as an undergraduate and in an Ivy MBA, all they did was support what dad had already told me. And In my professional life, working in multiple industries, from a startup to a multinational, Again, it went back to what Dad taught me about treating people well, uh, making sure that you're really focused on people. You're trying to make, you know, the language of business is numbers. So clearly, you're trying to grow, you know, the top line, the bottom line. But the key that Dad taught me way back at the kitchen table was it's all about people. So that's been the consistent theme through my entire career.
0: Mm, I love that. I'd love to dive in because um, something that you really touch upon in your book beautifully is this idea that in order to be a chief or to be a leader, it really has nothing to do with the title. And I think that that's so important. And it's something that um, many of us, I guess, have heard before and understand, but actually applying it and, and really utilizing that concept is easier said than done. Um, and, and one thing that I've also recognized is that when people do get a title, sometimes they then change and they become something different than the original reason why they were given that title. So I'd love to just jump into a little bit about you know, your thoughts and talk about you know, what this means and, and how do we get rid of that idea that in order to make an impact, to lead, that we have to be the CEO or we have to be the top executive?
1: Well, it really is the essence of, of the book and the essence of all my work is really the term chief. And, and frankly, the power, that wonderful word power, that is associated with the word chief because you, you're you're spot on Netta, when you say that for many people power and chief are synonymous, right? If I've got, if I've got, if I want the authority, if I want the control, right, that people thirst for, they want to, because they believe they need a position or a title. Uh, and a lot of people, when I started my career uh, a number of decades ago, I was one of those people. I got out of business school and I wanted to be a chief. I wanted to be either the chief executive officer or somebody way up at the top because I figured that's where all the authority and the control was. Now, that's an old story because today, uh, and the premise of the book is that power is defined very differently. If you look at power today in terms of energy and clarity and confidence and influence and impact, those five words I believe are an accurate definition today of what power is all about. And in those situations, people on the front lines – can be energetic, can be clear, can be confident, and with those three attributes, they they can have influence and have a huge impact. So spend a lot of time thinking about the word power, what does it really mean, and how can people harness their own power to be the best version of themselves, independent of where they sit on an organization chart. Mm.
0: And how do we, I mean, so I guess it's twofold. So it has to come from the individual themselves recognizing that they can still lead without a title. But I think it's also um, part the company as well to be able to, I guess, empower or get the investment from their employees if so that their employees um, run the company as if it's their own.
1: No, no question. And, and there certainly are things that, uh, that people with titles can do that some people without titles can't do. For example, if you have a title and say, you've got a title of a chief uh, and you're running a department, you probably can make decisions around who is in the department, who is, who isn't, right? You, You have an opportunity to do selection and assessment, Uh, and maybe you control compensation and recognition, some things. There are some levers that certainly people in an organization who are managerial, because I believe leaders are at all levels, so I tend not to use the term leader to describe people higher in the org chart, because again, you can have leadership at any level. Mm -hmm. But people who have have, have senior manager titles do have some levers uh, that that are important. But that does not, in my opinion, uh, allow folks to solely look up for answers. I mean, my my job, uh, you know, for the for the past 30 plus years, has been a, kind of a, a turnaround specialist, and I'm, I'm I'm generally viewed as an unconventional turnaround specialist because all turnaround specialists are focused on, on on numbers, right? And they are focused on top line and bottom line results. But the unconventional nature of what I bring really is is what Dad taught me, and the focus is on those front line employees and those people who are at the first and second levels, because that's where the power is in the organization. And if you're going to turn an organization around, you know uh, that you've got to do both you've got to both work the selection and compensation and recognition and and, and assessment tools that people up in a, a management structure have but you must create an environment where people can bring out their best on the front lines
0: mm. so what are some tips to to make that happen to spark you know everyone feeling like a chief so how do we um how do we ensure that the employees feel the power or for them to get their own power? You know, how how do we empower them and how do they empower themselves to get to the true potential?
1: Uh, Yeah. And and by the way, there's, there's a whole subject there. You just asked the question that we could, if we had the next two hours, we could scratch the surface, but let me give you the highlights. If you're in an organization, uh, you know, we used to use the term decentralization a lot, right? It's been around for decades and organizations that move quickly and nimbly are decentralized. They don't take the decision-making responsibility solely to corporate headquarters. They, they delegate that out to the lowest level in the organization where people are, in fact, empowered. They're closest to the customer. They're closest to the issues. And to the extent you can, you want to push out decision-making as, as broadly in the organization as possible. That's been around for a long time. There are some new terms that we're using today uh, that we didn't use uh, 10, 20 years ago. We talk about agile you know, organizations that are big and small want to be agile. They want to be fast. They want to be flexible. And frankly, those are things that good organizations have been pushing for for years. Right? So there are opportunities for organizations to, to be very mindful about the processes they do to, to push decision-making out. But even before that, Netta, it's critical to understand who is out there in the field. One of the, one of the, the pieces of research that I highlight in the book is the topic uh, a viral engagement, and this is this is a really important topic for your for your for your audience, because again, to look up for answers is yesterday's newspaper. Today, many times the influence in an organization comes from a peer, and the the, the research that has been done, particularly by a wonderful researcher who's currently at Wharton, by the name of Sagal Barsade, she did wonderful research when she was back at Yale back in the day, talking about improving that any individual influences the engagement of every individual Mm -hmm. on a team, Mm -hmm. right? And so that's not looking up for answers. That says if you have a coworker who's coming in with a great attitude, guess what? It rubs off. By the way, if you have a coworker who's bringing a negative attitude in, that rubs off as well. So what can you do as a senior manager? You can certainly make sure that you're putting people together who have an aptitude and an attitude that are both positive. You want to make sure you have the skill sets there, but make sure they're bringing positive energy. Yes, you have to bring market-based compensation so they'll stick around. You need to you know, continually recognize them for the great work they're doing. You need to promote people who are capable of doing more. By the way, not shy away from demotion when, when they've come to a level where you gave them a shot. Perhaps it didn't work and, and they need to be carrying, you know, in a, a carrying way, maybe demoted. It doesn't happen as much in, in organizations, but it would probably serve the organization and the individual well if they did. Communication is always key. Education is always key. We break down ten different areas in the book where senior managers can make very important decisions to increase the probability that the frontline team will bring their a game every day.
0: My question for you is we're in this new, uh, you know we 're in this new age with technology and social intelligence and emotional intelligence. And, you know, they have so many statistics that have come out now that the majority of success in the professional world and leadership really have to really come down to emotional intelligence, no longer about the skill or the technique that someone has acquired. How much of that do you think is applicable and important in leading and becoming a chief? What is your opinion on that?
1: I think it's critical, but I, but I, I honestly uh, uh, reject the or discussion, right? The skills don't matter, that emotional intelligence is the answer. I don't believe that for a minute. Mm-hmm. I believe the and, the and makes sense, not the or. So we certainly need people who have hard skills and soft skills. Part of those soft skills are knowing themselves. I mean, I, I make the point in the book that to really be chief is it's all about connecting what you do to who you are. And so a discussion of self-understanding or insight, understanding your values, part of emotional intelligence, critical to the success of any individual at any level. But I would not for a moment tell you that a bunch of people who have great uh, emotional intelligence, but are void of the hard skills they need to be in operations or accounting or sales, uh, that those things don't matter. It's a blend of both, I believe.
0: Mm, Absolutely. And would you, would, I mean, this is part of the reason why you wrote the book, but would you say that that's one of the issues currently is that many people that I guess are in the chief position are maybe lacking that connection of connecting, you know, who they are and their, um, their personal intelligence with the job and with leading people?
1: Yeah, I think there's an evolution coming and it's not coming as fast as it could, uh, but I think more and more organizations, uh, whether they have chief titles or not, are understanding the key. I mean, the the biggest issue facing organizations at all levels is the fact that, and and Gallup regularly reports on this, today, seven out of 10 employees are not bringing their A game to work. Mm -hmm. Seven out of 10.
0: That's right. And so
1: to your point, it's a prevalent problem. By the way, it's startups all the way to multinationals. And I have had the privilege of working in both and currently support clients in both. So it's not unique to small business or big business. It really is central to creating these environments, and that's frankly why I wrote the book. Those tips that Dad gave me uh, a number of years ago still work today, and I think that's uh, that's why my uh, my dance card is always filled.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I just uh, I just read that article with Gallup that sixteen percent of employees are not engaged in any way, shape, or form, um, and they are miserable at work. And I think it's fifty two percent or fifty one percent that are just there. So they're not actively engaged, but they're just walking in. They're on autopilot. They're doing their their job. Um, And as you mentioned, it's only about 30 percent of the workforce in America that's actually fully engaged in what they're doing on a daily basis. So it's a big number not to be engaged.
1: It is. And many people can say, wow, they're in an organization that uh, doesn't uh, doesn't engage them. And and there's truth to that. But again, I don't want to get into the or discussion because I don't think they're accurate. The and discussion is no, perhaps uh, looking up that their management is not doing all they could. But I want to, to have people understand that even if you work in an environment where perhaps they're not empowering you, I remind people power is never given. It's only taken. So there are a lot of choices that you can make if you're on the front line, independent of your management, to increase your energy, to increase your clarity, to increase your confidence, to increase your influence, and to increase your impact. And those are the choices that I want individuals to, to focus on. Certainly, if they're in an environment where consistently they're, they're, they're not being supported, then they have a decision to make in terms of their own work-life integration and are they in the right place. But I don't – I'm not I'm – I don't subscribe to the fact that it's somebody else's problem. Like somebody is doing – the victim mentality doesn't play with me. It just doesn't play with me. The point is what can you do yourself as you take responsibility for your choices?
0: So what would you say in quick is one or two things that somebody can instantly implement today?
1: Uh, well, I, I think it's uh, – Two things, really. I I go to uh, automatically uh, make sure that you are building your own confidence, right? You can do that by understanding your values. What do you stand for? Doing some more reflection in terms of uh, being still every once in a while and kind of getting rid of all the voices who are chirping at you to figure out what do I stand for, right? That's Building your confidence is is the number one aspect of having power. Number two is building your clarity right? As you support other people and being disciplined in what you do. I think the combination of confidence and clarity leads to impact no matter where you are on an org chart.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's, that's great information. Thank you, Rick. Um, I'd love to, this has been a great conversation and we can probably go for hours. As you mentioned earlier, I'd love to jump into the power section of the interview and ask you, is there any book book that you've recently read that's had a massive impact on your life that you would recommend to us?
1: Well, I'm a huge fan of uh, Adam Grant and his book, Give and Take, uh, research-based shows that givers mm-hmm. outperform takers. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a simple message, but when there's research behind it, I've got a lot of time for it. And I got a lot of time for my friend, Adam Grant.
0: I love that. And what's one value that you've always stuck by throughout your journey? Something that's a non-negotiable for you?
1: Well, I, again, you'll find when you when you read the book, uh, I I go by a compass that has a north, south, east, and west. And for me, It's truth, service, equality, and connection. Those are my core four, and those are the ones that I – those are all non-negotiable.
0: And if you can leave the world with one final message, we call it the golden nugget. What would your golden nugget be to the world?
1: Be more of who you are.
0: Hmm. And lastly, as you know, where the company rise up for you. And I always like to ask out of curiosity, when you initially hear that phrase rise up for you, what sparks in you? What comes to mind?
1: Well, again, consistent with the, the final message that you asked to me, it's about energy. It's all about how do I create energy energies all around us? How do we unlock what's keeping us from being our most energetic? And when I hear rise up for you, it's like remove blockades so that I can be the fullest manifestation of who I am. Mm.
0: Awesome. Rick, thank you so much for joining us today. How do we stay connected and how do we support you? I know you have the great book, Be Chief. It's choice not title. Um, so tell us a little bit more information about how we can get a hold of you.
1: Well, you can go to bechief.com, name of the book, and you can get a couple things. Number one, you can get you can download a free chapter. You can take a free assessment of how powerful you can be. Number three you can see, I, I should mention, that all author proceeds from the book are going to support special needs kids. Oh, yeah. So you can learn more about the special needs kids who will benefit from every dollar that uh, that goes towards that would have come to me is going to those kids. So you can learn about that. You can read some of the great reviews that are out there. I'm so pleased that powerful women uh, like Susan Cain and the current CEO of the American Red Cross, Gail McGovern, uh, some wonderfully powerful women are, are strongly behind endorsing this book and, and the message of power it sends so appreciate anyone who wants to to take the free uh assessment of how powerful they are uh and obviously anybody who wants to buy the book at least they know where the money's going
0: i love that thank you so much rick
1: my pleasure thanks Netta.
0: thank you for joining us today on the rise up for you podcast series We're here to serve you and inspire you to become your best self so that you can live a life that you are proud of. If you haven't already, head over to our website, riseupforyou.com and explore through all that we have to offer. Don't forget to subscribe while you're there for exclusive materials sent to you weekly and also subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and any other major podcast channel. Join us for our next episode, but until we meet again, rise up for you, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater you tomorrow.